Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code JOHN, J-O-H-N. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code JOHN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Gold Nugget Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. <laughs> What is going on, everybody? Three and Out Podcast, Thursday night. Time to break down the AL and NLCS. Just kidding. We will talk. Derek Carr and the Jags just watched Saints lose. <laughs> that was, uh, beside a couple drives, was not very pretty. Trevor Lawrence guts it out. Jags 5-2. and two. Bizarre 5-2 and two team. Definitely didn't feel like a 5-2 and two team. Some thoughts on Devontae Adams, some thoughts on the Miami Dolphins, who everyone's just anointing. Did a little deep dive of their schedule. I, I you know, think we should pump the brakes a little bit. We'll come into that. And the bold take of the week, as we do every Friday. I was I was I might have got last week right. Said someone was gonna get fired. Frank Reich fired himself uh, from play calling, not from the job. So we will do the bold take of the week. 
And uh, no mailbag. I, I see a lot of you guys asking questions in the in the Instagram at John Middlecoff is the Instagram handle. Fire in those DMs. I'll try to maybe have some cocktails this week and manually respond uh, to some of you guys. That was always a Gary V thing. He he claimed back in his heyday he would like respond to everyone. That takes a lot of effort. It's, just, it's hard. Uh, but you know what else do I have to do? Watch football, respond to DMs. I, I will attempt to do some of that this weekend. And yeah, so we've had podcasts all week. If you miss any, subscribe to the feed. If you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to the Three and Out feed. Never miss a show. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> Thursday night football. Jacksonville beats the Saints in an awful thriller. And uh, Trevor Lawrence stats won't show it, but yeah, I think most people agree. <laughs> After you witness that, you would gladly take him over the highly paid Derek Carr. We will dive in to all elements of the game. I uh, have some thoughts on Devontae Adams. I saw some of his comments, and everyone had an angle on it. I, I, I feel pretty strongly about what he said and how it doesn't impact the way that I think about him. And then a thought on the Dolphins. Have we anointed them a little bit too quickly and why this week is pretty big for them? And then, of course, the bold take of the week. We'll dive into it all. Subscribe to the podcast, 3 and Out, with me, John Middlecoff, Apple, Spotify, wherever you may listen. You're watching this on the tube. Smash that like button. Leave a comment. Share it with your friends, as well as subscribe to the page. And uh, thevolume.com, thevolume.com. We got merch. Before we dive into some football talk, let's tell you about some very good friends of mine. Did you watch that game and go, God, I want to go to a game this weekend? I want to go to a game in November or December, a football game, college or pro. I'm watching. I want to go to the World Series. The NBA is about to start. I want to go to a game. I got you covered. Go to your app store on your cell phone. Download this little app called Game Time. They're the official ticketing app of this podcast. And when you do it, get some tickets. And when you sign up for your first pair of tickets, use the promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, Promo code John, $20 off your first pair of tickets. Concerts, comedy shows, you name it, anything. Use their interactive ticketing map. You get a line of sight, see how you would see from the seats. Also includes the price point. And then just hammer that promo code John. Okay, where do we want to start with the Thursday night game? Let's start with the Saints. Because beside a couple drives, and again like last week, his yardage, Derek threw for over 300 yards. He was 33 of 55, and he had one really good drive after a terrible call by a Super Bowl winning coach, Doug Peterson, when he went for it on fourth and short from a shotgun inside zone. Now, his quarterback's injured, probably limits his play calls, but still, I think he'd even admit to you, over a cup of ice cream, you know Doug loves the ice cream, that he would like that one back. And I think simply the number one theme throughout the game is This Saints offense is just not good enough. Something is way off. And here's the thing. They paid a lot of money for that quarterback. They gave him almost a $30 million signing bonus. That means the moment Derek signed, within a 14-day window, he got $28.5 million. And no matter what happened to him, $60 million of that contract was guaranteed. And I, listen, I've known him since he was in high school. When I worked at Fresno State, It was a senior year in high school. He was committed to us. Obviously, he came the next year. I have followed his career very closely. 
I don't think he's playing very well. I actually think he's playing really poorly for his standards. Clearly, the offense, the cohesion in the passing game, I don't give a shit about the stats. It doesn't look right. Something is way off. And you go, well, maybe there's not enough talent because we always love doing that. I don't see it that way. Michael Thomas is more than serviceable as a big outside wide receiver. Alvin Kamara is a star. The guy can do it all. Taysom Hill, you talk about a guy everyone talks shit about, and I get it as a quarterback. He's not a quarterback, but Taysom Hill could play on my team any day of the week. He can line up in slot. He can line up in running back. He's a very, very versatile chess piece. Alave is, you know, a speed wide receiver, still working through as a young player, but he's clearly really talented. Number 22 is also really good. He's had some big catches this year. Like, they got talent on offense. The cohesion between the offensive coordinator, Derek, and the weapons is just not there. It looks way off. Some of these go routes in the end zone, and they've done it two straight weeks, makes you shake your head. What is going on? And do you know what? I'm kicking myself because I felt pretty confident. And listen, they may still end up winning the division because the South stinks. But Derek and Dennis Allen, Say that out loud, John. That is not going to work. And it's not working. And you saw it tonight. Dennis, I think their defense is pretty good. Uh, And obviously, he's a defensive head coach. When he was a defensive coordinator, they were Sean Payton. Their defense was really good. He knows defense. He can motivate that side of the ball. But as a head coach, when his offensive coordinator and his quarterback that they're paying a boatload of money to are having issues, there's nothing he can do. I feel pretty confident in saying, I bet Dennis Allen doesn't even know the majority of their plays in the playbook. I think he knows their philosophical ideas, but do I think if you just said the specific play calls, he would know who's going where? No fucking chance. And this always speaks to when you have, and this is Colin's big thing, defensive head coaches, the impact on the offense, they can't do anything beside motivation and beside look at the guy, play better or calm down or it's going to be okay. But in terms of actual coaching, specific X's and O's, specific offensive ideas, he doesn't bring anything to the table. So when you see the quarterback in shambles kind of screaming at guys, him and the offensive coordinator kind of getting into it, the head coach, which him and the quarterback are always the most important guys in your building beside the owner, can't impact the game at all when it comes to his offense. And he's just kind of standing there looking. Occasionally he can call a timeout. Occasionally he can let the offense go for it, but... I don't know what the final numbers are, but I saw right before, I think, the final drive, the New Orleans Saints, they went 3 of 18. 3 of 18 on third down. That is, that's beyond anemic. That's embarrassing. Now, they went 4 of 6 on fourth down, so they got a bunch of those. So, obviously, they didn't punt as many times as they normally would have, right? So, they essentially got seven first downs in those scenarios, but to not convert on third down, to me, they're a terrible third down team. I don't know where they rank after tonight relative to the league. They feel like one of the worst in the NFL. And their red zone, a couple weeks ago, everyone was blasting the Dallas Cowboys and their struggles in the red zone. Obviously, it's a big topic around the NFL. Red zone offense, scoring offense. I wonder if a little bit all these teams are less inclined to kick field goals. And you can think field goals aren't that big a deal, But if you're averaging 18 points and you're passing on a couple field goals every other game, that could be the difference between averaging 23 points and 18 or 19 points. Again, seems small, but in the aggregate throughout the whole season, it's kind of a big deal. But to me, the red zone offense, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's 
the rules at practice. I don't know if it's players changing. I don't know if it's lack of offensive creativity with a certain amount of coaches. But you watch Derek Carr. You watch the Saints. It's not their skills. They have skill guys. They have enough talented guys on the outside. This experiment is not going well. Now, they're not out of it by any means because of the division. But I would say early on, and I think Saints fans would agree, this is a borderline disaster. Forgiven that no one thought that they were going to beat like the Niners or the Eagles. But I thought it was realistic with their defense and with the talent on their team. If Derek could just be, I don't know, a top 12, 13 quarterback, they could be an 11-win team. I mean, they're going to struggle to win nine. You, you can't depend on them at home. And like Seattle forever with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, I always viewed New Orleans as one of the best home field teams. Why? The environment's crazy. They were booing these guys in like the first quarter. It's the middle of October. It'd be one thing if it's like December and you're way out of it. This is October. Your team's three and three and they're booing them. And honestly, they had every right to boo. If you were, uh, you know, a paying customer and went to see that, especially when you've been used to Sean Payton and Drew Brees, it's a big WTF. This is the guy we paid all this money for. And it's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, I kind of said at halftime they should bench him. Now, I think he's boys with Jameis. They played together in Tampa. You're not benching Derek. And then Derek all of a sudden will kind of play just the tip with you. Like, he'll have a moment. Let him on that drive. So you're like, oh, there's something there. And then the end of the game happens. You're like, what is going on? So he's just a head-scratching player. He he really is. He's been one of the most polarizing players in the NFL for a long time. And uh, tonight did not go his way by any means. So the Saints... I don't even know what to say. I think they are uh, they're clearly not going anywhere this year, but to to miss the playoffs after paying a quarterback that much money and uh, have that much talent on your team would be unacceptable. It, it really would. Now I, I don't really have that many takeaways from Jacksonville beside like I thought Trevor's arm was a little stronger. Now clearly his knees a little messed up. I give a guy a lot of cred for playing injured. I, uh, we talk about this a lot with quarterbacks. We love talking about the arm strength and the athleticism and how tall the guy is. It's hard to quantify toughness. We talked about it last week with Michael Penix in the Oregon-Washington game. He was getting destroyed. Kept shaking it off, kept getting back in the huddle. I, I learn a lot evaluating a quarterback, rooting for a player when I think the guy's tough as nails. And, and I saw tonight Trevor Lawrence... Clearly his knee's a little messed up. I mean, short week, on the road. It would have been an easy one, kind of wave the white flag. Your division sucks. As long as you get to 10 wins, you're going to have a home playoff game. Dude played, found a way to win, made some plays. Definitely made some plays with his legs. And um, Jacksonville's 5-2, and two, and I think they're going to win this division. <clears throat> I mean, this thing could be over in early December when you factor in Tennessee's in shambles with their quarterback, and their team's clearly not as talented as it has been. Um, you know, Houston, they're still really young and they have a rookie quarterback. So I, I, I don't see how, you know, when the dust settles here, the Tennessee, or excuse me, the Jacksonville, you know, I, I think they're looking at a five and two. We didn't play that well to start the season. Now we've won what four straight games. Could we compete for like the two or the three seed and their defense isn't that great. So they're always going to be flawed in that sense. But you know, the quarterback proved a lot tonight. Not statistically, not a bunch of touchdown throws, but just like, hey guys, you drafted me to be a franchise quarterback and there's more than just throwing 40-yard touchdowns. There's on a short week when my knee's a little fucked up and listen, we're playing a team that has a lot of talent, especially on defense. I'm going to be there for you. 
so you don't have to throw C.J. Beathard out. Because if you play C.J. Beathard tonight, Saints win. I don't care how shitty Derek played. And, yeah, so uh, weird game. want to dive into a comment I saw from Devontae Adams. Now, I, 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 was at, I left Fresno State and went to Philly, and then Devontae came in, so I, I never was around him, though I know a lot of people that know him really well. And I know his basically mentor slash wide receiver coach in college is now wide receiver coach with the Ravens, swears by Devontae Adams. And I'm a huge Devontae guy. I think he's everything you'd want in a guy on your team in terms of talent, in terms of leadership, in terms of work ethic. But he, he had some comments that kind of went viral, you know, and kind of rightfully so. And, and this is after they won, and they're 3-3, three and three despite I got a couple buddies that are Raider fans that text me after they saw these comments. They're like, the craziest part about this team is they're 3-3. Three and three. Like, how the hell are they 3-3, three and three, John? I'm like, well, they just played the Patriots. That, that helped. But, but here's what Devontae said. He said, I'm a human being, and I have extremely high standards for myself in this offense. I'm sure people are thinking, they won the game. Why is there an issue? I mean, you see why it's an issue. Y'all should know who I am. Know what I'm about at this point. When you're a player like me, mentally, my benchmark is not wins and losses. It's greatness. So when I get out there, I expect to be able to have the ability to put that on tape and have an influence on the game. That's my purpose for being here. I'm not here to just hang out. I came here to win and do it the right way. And this, this statement and comments have been taken a million different ways. And I saw a bunch of people on Instagram, former NFL players, kind of ripping them. I've seen people defend them. James Jones, guys that have played with him. Listen, I, I, I feel confident in what I know about him and the people I know and trust what they think about this guy. I take Devontae Adams any day of the week. But I don't feel sympathy, sympathy for him here. He was playing for the Green Bay Packers with a guy who was rattling off MVPs. And he chose, because the Packers were willing, well, it got a little weird the year before, but they were willing to pay every penny that the Raiders paid to Devontae Adams. And he said, I don't want your money, I want to be traded. And it's one thing to say you want to be traded. I've said before, hell, I just did it last year. I've moved. I, I don't, in my job, I'm not restricted where I can live. So anyone at a certain point in time in their career... Even in pro sports, like, I don't want to be here anymore, I understand it. And if he just said, hey, I want to be traded, I'd get it. Like, it's time. He could sense the end was near with Aaron Rodgers. But he said, not only I want to be traded, I want to go to the Raiders. And that's where, honestly, I got to put up a red flag. Because if you were at Apple, and then all of a sudden Radio Shack called, and they said, listen, we can pay you a lot of money, come here, and you leave and you're having a lot of success at Apple, that's on you, buddy. You went to the Raiders, who weren't just a perpetual loser, but have just been a consistent disaster. But here's the other thing. Despite all the craziness around the Raiders over the last 20-plus years that you have lived through because you grew up a Raider fan, you wanted to play with your buddy Derek Carr. Okay, I get it. Here's the problem. Like, you know what Aaron Rodgers looks like. And then before the season even ends, Derek gets sent home and he's gone. And now you're playing with Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer. And this week you're playing with Brian Hoyer. Like, this is the Raiders, bro. Like, you left an organization that we can say, hey, the Packers don't have an owner. You know, the Packers have some limitations. The Packers live in a small town. I, I get it. But the great part about being a pro athlete 
is like what I do, if I'm going to make money, unless I start some new profession, I can do this the rest of my life. As long as I can talk, as long as I can come up with interesting shit to say, as long as I still enjoy watching football and golf and just life, I can podcast, right? As an athlete, your time's limited. So this limitation, I get you have aspirations to play for your hometown team, even though ironically, they're in, uh, even though, and he grew up in Palo Alto, but you know what I mean. It actually benefited Devontae because he gets to go to Vegas, no state income tax, making a lot more money now. Much cooler place to live than Oakland, California. I promise you that. I'd rather be in Vegas too. But you chose that organization, and you chose a quarterback situation and a coach. Like you, you, you chose to like go play for Josh McDaniels, which, let's face it, is more than a question mark. Even Raider fans listening to this right now and go, Middlecoff, you're just a hater. You're always talking shit about the Raiders. Tell me what you really think about Josh McDaniels. You're the same guy telling your buddy week after week, we need to fire this guy. Where, listen, he had just been playing and dominating with uh, with LaFleur. So I don't have an issue with the comments. I get Devontae being frustrated because when you're a great player at wide receiver, shit is out of your control. You need a wide receiver to be able to get you the ball. But you signed up for this place. Like It'd be one thing if you were going to a consistent winner. You went to a place over 20 years was the laughing stock of the league. And, and so you complaining like, uh, like no one should know it better than you, a guy who had a front row seat growing up rooting for this team. So I, I, it's hard for me to have sympathy from the playing standpoint. Now the Miami Dolphins. What they have done this year offensively has been a joy to watch. If you just like turning on the TV and watching them light up the scoreboard, it is really fun. Tyreek Hill has gone to Miami and for two straight years put a stamp on his Canton, uh, future Canton candidacy, right? This guy is an all-time great player. I, he's actually, for as great as he was in Kansas City, all-time great champion, all-time great player, all-time great winner, all-time great playmaker in big spots. It was like, is he just kind of checking out, going there for the payday? No. He went there to kick ass and take names enjoyable team to watch. They're drafting running backs. They're signing other sweet running backs. Waddle, awesome. But I think a lot of people, because it is really fun, feel a little bit like an NBA team that's scoring a lot of points. Like, well, you don't play defense. And who have you played? So I wrote down their opponents. And I went, well, you know, they're 5-1. and one. What, what does it really look like? The first week, which is their best win, was the Chargers. And that was when Brandon Staley, somehow who's an NFL head coach, Literally did not cover Tyreek Hill. Put him one-on-one with a guy that had no clue what he's doing and currently is not on the team anymore. Then they played the Pats, who absolutely stink. Then they play the Broncos, who might be worse. Then they play the Bills and got curb stomped. Then they played the Giants, also stink. And then they just beat the Panthers, who, let's face it, might win one game. So... I'm not trying to diminish how fun the Bron- uh, Miami Dolphins have been because you, you can only play the people on your schedule. And unlike college, you don't make the schedule. The league does. Every team's in the NFL. You're playing a bunch of people. They're getting paid too. But let's face it. Their schedule, beside the Bills, has been pretty fucking easy. And they've annihilated these guys. And everyone putting the Miami Dolphins right now in like the Eagles and Niners class, who have obviously proven it now for a couple years, the Bills, who have consistently gone to the playoffs, and obviously the Chiefs and the Bengals, other teams that have just been consistently winning, I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Now, I will be the first one to admit, if they play on Sunday Night Football, 
and they beat the Eagles, I'll tip my hat to them and call them a real team. But if, like the Bills game, they get outplayed, like, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to treat them like these same teams. On the road, I get it. It's not at home. But you played the Bills on the road, a divisional game. All you had to do, you're allowed to lose that game. You got beat. You got destroyed. You got embarrassed. You got curb stomped. So now, when you're playing the Eagles, who, let's face it, unlike the Bills, have not exactly been peaking. They're not exactly playing their best ball. They just lost. Their quarterback's in shambles. Like, you don't even need to win the game. Can you just keep it close? Because, I'll be honest, I'm not someone who has just anointed them. Think they're a fun team. I'll be the first, like, they're going to the playoffs. But, like, are they a threat to make noise in the playoffs? Because more than likely, they're going to have to go on the road. I definitely am not picking this team in inclement weather. But let's just see them beat a good team before we start acting like, oh, the Dolphins, you know, fucking Super Bowl contender. Let's pump the brakes there. This is a big week for me to see the Dolphins beat a real team. And then last but not least, the, uh, the bold take of the week brought to you by my friends at Guinness. This is hard. Now, I got to toot my own horn because I've been close a couple times. I think I pick one week like the Panthers or the Giants and some upsets. And I've been off. I, I picked Georgia to lose to Kentucky, and they destroyed Kentucky. And then after the game, Mark Stoops said, begged his boosters to give them more money so they could buy players that were as good as Georgia's. Pretty embarrassing to his own roster, but that's what he said. It's honestly pretty truthful. Last week, I said that someone was going to get fired. Now, if you check the waiver wires, no coach has actually been fired, coordinator included. But Frank Reich did essentially fire himself. Could have been Dave Tepper, too. No longer the offensive play caller. Gave it to his offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown. You know, even though these offensive coordinators, when the head coach is also play caller, aren't technically the offensive coordinator, but you know what I mean. So I'm going to take a W on that one. Frank demoted himself or was demoted by the owner. So someone was essentially fired. They just still get to get paid. My bold take of the, of the week this week is pretty simple. I, I think this storm of Drake May and the draft conversation is going to get louder and louder. And I think all offseason and all last year, Caleb Williams was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And if you watched him early on at Oklahoma as a true freshman, and then last year at USC, for the most part, he was incredible. This year, like, it's just, it got a little weird the last couple weeks. Now, two weeks against Arizona, he pulled that game out of his ass. If it wasn't for him, they would not have won it. But last week is the worst game he's probably ever played. Definitely the worst game he's ever played in college. And he this week he's playing... Kyle Whittingham might be a top five coach in all of college football. Last week he beat, or last year he beat Caleb Williams twice. The second game, now Caleb was a little banged up, absolutely destroyed him. This was the same guy that wrote fuck Utah on his fingernails. So I think, I'm not saying Utah's going to win. I, I, I talked to Stucky today, kind of talked me out of it. But I do think things are going to get weird. And Utah's defense is big time. Their defensive philosophy is big time. Their defensive line is always awesome. USC's offensive line is terrible. And I could just see him having another questionable game and the conversation just growing. I'm not trying to shit on Caleb Williams' draft projection. He is a big time prospect, right? But so is Drake May. And this conversation about one guy being anointed and then the rest of the class, like, it's already growing by the day. 
Because in football, the way we evaluate you, this isn't AAU or some traveling bat baseball team. You get evaluated on the games. And when you struggle against big-time opponents, it just makes people think and talk. Because in the NFL, you're going to struggle. It is really hard. You don't have a huge advantage week in, week out, especially when you're a highly drafted player. I know Caleb's dad wants him to go to the Chiefs or the Bills. Got news for you. That's not happening. You're going to go to a shitty organization. That's a fact. So the more you struggle against these teams like Notre Dame and Utah, it just brings Drake May into play. So my bold take of the week, I think things are going to continue to get weird this week. I don't like anything about USC outside of Caleb Williams, the coach, the philosophy, the defense, just the vibe. And I think sometimes as a player, you can kind of get, you know, entrapped by that and things start snowballing the wrong way. So I like Utah to make things really, really weird this weekend. That was the bold take of the week brought to you by Giddis. Gather your friends, raise your glasses, and toast to a win. Guinness Drought Stout, imported by Diageo Beer Company, USA, New York, New York. Please drink responsibly. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, back at it again with my man who's red hot. And honestly, it, when they jumped out to a 14 nothing lead, I was thinking, Carolina going to win this shit outright, and then the Dolphins came storming back and boat raced them. But it, it was fun, and obviously the Giants Sunday night easily could have won that game with Tyrod Taylor, but Stucky from the Couldn't Action get a yard. Network. Couldn't get a yard. <laughs> Big bets on campus. Uh yeah, I'm glad I didn't do that money line parlay of the two teams. Though when they were up fourteen nothing, I was in the back of my head. Got a hundred dollars, might have paid like seven thousand dollars for this two team money money line parlay. I was thinking of you when, because I, I didn't know if you were gonna if you decided to pass or parlay or just play one of them. And then during the Panthers game, I was like, oh wow, fourteen nothing. Then during the Giants game, I was like, man, I hope John didn't have that at the end when they couldn't no. get a yard multiple times. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, obviously it was big time smoke and mirrors with the Carolina, who was just terrible, right? I mean, the Giants legitimately have some fight in them. They have a good coaching staff. I think that was a good example of Dayball, you know, clearly have a pretty good beat on the team that they were playing. Uh, yep. But the Panthers, God, I mean, they I, is it out of the realm possibility now their division sucks? Because last week we were humbled. We talked Niners undefeated. Uh, they lost. Uh, though they easily could have won if a fucking guy can hit a field goal. Carolina definitely doesn't have more than two wins in them. So anytime that you're a 2-15 and 15 team, you're going to be flirting because they're, they're not going to win a game probably more than likely if they do by more than more than a touchdown. Uh, they're going to be flirting with it, especially as this goes on. I, I would say, having watched them, they got a chance to not win a game. Yeah, I mean their their division isn't great, so they'll probably. I mean, they'll probably get one, but they're it's bad. Um, the defense the defense will probably get better. They got to get healthier. I mean, they're basically playing without their entire secondary right now. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bad football team to not cover. It's the it was the biggest spread um, of all time for a team not to cover after jumping out to a fourteen nothing lead. So it takes a, a lot of. Uh, well, stuck, stuck of, you would have been up. You would have been up plus twenty eight at the time. Yeah, you would have been yeah, cruising. Yeah. I mean, how do you lose? Uh, yeah, and then they get a pick six late. So I had some fourteen. Uh, they got a pick six late, and then gave up. And then onside kick, they gave up another touchdown to Mike White, and didn't even push my fourteen. So yeah, Panthers are on my shit list. But uh, it's uh, we're on to another week of the NFL. Okay, oh, by the way, dive, in that, in that, I wanted to ask you about that Shanahan. The, Home field advantage means a little bit more in non-conference, non-conference, non-divisional games because of the lack of familiarity with just like little nuances of stadiums. I've seen, uh, I don't I think like 10, 11 games in Cleveland when I went out to, when I go see the Ravens play there every, every year. And there's a flag in the corner of the stadium. They call it the Phil Dawson flag. And it, when it's whipping, 
that field goals in that stadium are are wild and you get some wild misses and the wind just pushes balls and Shanahan starts just hey we're gonna take a knee and they cut they cut to the stadium with the camera and I saw that flag whipping and it was whipping to the way that he missed and I was like this is a mistake I'm saying to myself they need they should try to get more yardage here um inexperienced kicker not familiar with the stadium with just horrendous when that when winds pick up in Cleveland and that wind that flag is going it's like whenever all like the really really smart fans that have you know been to many games there whenever there's a field goal time everyone looks at this flag in the corner of the stadium and that thing was going a hundred miles an hour towards the right and that's right where the kick went um so like if that was like the Steelers or Ravens it would probably be familiar with that flag and knowing and um, I would have, I personally would have just tried to get, you know, run it just one or two more times. And you don't want to make a mistake against a really good defense. It could also cause a negative play, but I, I wasn't surprised that he missed that kick that way. Uh, and that's what yeah, happened. That, 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 that's why I defended him just because th- that defense looked like the 85 bears yeah. or the steel curtain and, and you couldn't afford. It's a different scenario, but like Mario Cristobal, what if you run it? McCaffrey's hurt. Mason yeah. fumbles. What if you try some play action pass? Purdy slips, takes a sack. Like to me, because of the defense, you were kind of on edge. And my thought was like, well, shit. Forty. If you can't, you're drafting a kid in the th- the third round sure. from the Big Ten, who should have a feel for whipping wins. But I I put that a little then on Kyle for I know he short lived time in Cleveland, but should have a feel for the crazy wins in that place. I also think that the guy, the Moody. He had he's done this twice now. He did it in a preseason game and he just did it in another game. He hooked his first kick. He's like a golfer. When you hook your first drive, your next drive, you're like, no matter what, I'm not going to the left trees. You end up slicing it the other way. And the ball started out, even despite the wind, basically at the pylon, because he's yeah. probably afraid to just let it get pushed on the left pylon because his last kick hooked. I think he's got like this thing in his head. And this is the knock, and I support, like, I got no problem. If you love a kicker, they had a million third-round picks, draft the guy. But unlike other positions where it's like, well, he's never going to live up to the hype, but you can, he can be like a rotational DB, or he can be a rotational slot receiver. As a kicker, he's either going to be good or bad. There's like no middle ground. And right now, it's a, it's a little sketchy. And they've had, and they're just going to play in some tight games Right, whether it's the Eagles, whether it's the Cowboys against the Lions, whoever in the playoffs, they play the Eagles in the regular season, the Seattle short week. Like they have been pretty dependent during their success with the kicker in Robbie Gold, and and I think it's, I wouldn't say he's a major question mark, but it's definitely a conversation that everyone has when the when they roll him out. Like, is this guy gonna miss? Yeah, no, it's no, it's a good point too. In that, you know, I mean, Samuel and McCaffrey were hurt playing a defense that creates a ton of negative plays. It's also O line had been getting worked. And, and there's a wet ball. Uh so like you could fumble it. Um and like so, so I, I could see it. But I disagree with look, there's very very few exceptions where these high draft kickers work out. One of the only few is Janikowski, who was actually taken in the first round uh different times. Sneaky like, hot take on a hot take on Seabass. Sneaky, a little overrated when you look yes. at his numbers because he played on such a shitty team for so yeah. long, and he was a cool, famous guy. He actually, I went to a lot of the Raider games. He missed a ton of kicks. Not yeah. as good as the hype behind him. 
I agree. He had a big leg, but I'm saying that he at least like gave you longevity. And I mean, look, yeah, Cade, yeah, yeah. Cade York, the kid for the Browns, they had a cut. Was a third round draft pick two years ago. There are countless, countless uh, examples. Aguayo. Yeah, the best. But like you just mentioned, gold undrafted, best kicker in NFL history, Justin Tucker, undrafted. Like the the best kickers have have been just undrafted finds. So yeah, it'll be interesting to watch uh, Moody going forward um and uh if he yeah because it seems like he's like overcorrecting a little bit which you don't want your kicker to be thinking about yeah it's a little bit like uh drafting a high quarterback the pressure everyone's like well you drafted this kicker really high like daniel carlson who's really good for the raiders cut by another team right so he wasn't even your pick that happens all the time with kickers maybe they're drafting the fifth or sixth round but they go on to have success for another team. So there's like zero pressure when they go somewhere else. And I, I think this Moody thing, a huge part of his story was like, you drafted this guy on the second day, right? It's not legend at Michigan, hit all these No one even cares about that now. So I'm with you. There's, I'm not disputing there's a lot of risk. But like the other dude they drafted in the third round, Latu, this tight end from Alabama is on injured reserve. So they're like, there's a crapshoot. But like you said, the history of drafting kickers – just in general, like even a fifth round pick, the, the Minnesota Vikings took Carlson in the fifth round, not even on their team, right? So it's like he's having success somewhere else. So yeah, it's it could, it could get dicey. Luckily, yeah. Robbie Gold's just playing, uh, you know, playing uh, golf in Chicago, so he, his phone will ring. I promise you that. Yeah. If if, uh, if he misses another kick, that's what the Browns. And the Browns went out and they signed just the veteran uh, Hopkins, and he's been good for them. And uh, but yeah, before we get to the site, whenever Janikowski gets brought up. I have to bring up this clip. Whoever, if you're listening, want to chuckle, just go to YouTube, type in Janikowski, Lane Kiffin. One week before uh, Davis fired Lane Kiffin, um, he trotted Janikowski out at the end of the first half in a game to attempt outdoors to attempt a 76-yard field goal against the wind. Um, one of the funniest plays, the announcers are like flabbergasted. The, the kick came up like 20 yards short. But Lane Kiffin attempted a 76-yard field goal into the wind with Janikowski in, a, in an NFL game I, but uh, one week before he got fired. Well, you, you know, you're a Philly guy. You probably remember when Akers, it, we played like uh, the Packers the year they won the Super Bowl and missed a bunch of kicks, didn't resign him. He goes to the Niners yep. and has like a career year with Harbaugh, and they end up going to the NFC Championship and losing to the Eli team. We drafted this dude named Henry from Nebraska, I think in the fourth round. And by the middle of training camp, the dude couldn't get it even close to the uprights. Was all, and he was gone within like a year. So it's just, it shows you like a lot of positions. Beside quarterback, you can just mix them in, right? So even if they're not ready to a kicker, you have there, there's not like two kickers on your team. <laughs> the guy's either good or he's not. So it's the pressure on that position. While most humans make fun of it, all oh, special teams, it is uniquely. Like, you're pretty dependent on the guy, right? I mean, yep. you need the guy to fucking make kicks. Let's dive into college. Uh, I Listen, I, people, like, when you hear the casual person, like, in the Northeast, they don't really care about college football, New York, right, Washington, uh, Boston. I, I think there's probably some validity and truth to that. But having lived in Philly, Penn State's a pretty big deal. Obviously, a lot of people that live in that general area either grow up Penn State fan, go to school there, it was, I was there when the Sandusky thing happened, and that's all anyone talked about. It just because it resonated with a lot of people. Joe Paw, the, the program. So I, I you know, I, I've always kind of liked the Big Ten beside the Pac 12, followed it closely my whole life. Just they were always on TV when I was a kid. 
I hate Ohio State for whatever reason. I don't really know why. I just do not like them. Like I don't really like Texas football either. Uh, but I, I legitimately don't like Ohio State and uh, not a big fan of Ryan Day. And I, I, I am behind what Harbaugh said landing on third base because I do think there's some validity to that comment. Like Urban Meyer handed him a loaded program, which always kind of runs itself. And let's face it, the last couple of years, everyone always points to his record. Well, he's got beat by Michigan twice. And this year, I, I think there is a ton of pressure on him, obviously, this week. And everyone, what's what's Michigan right now, the look-ahead line in that game? Favored by a touchdown? Or depends if they win this game? Yeah, it'll depend on this. But uh, Michigan at home, probably, as of right now, it'd probably five. be like, yeah, four and a half, five right now. But if they lose this game, you can get up to a touchdown. And Michigan keeps yeah, rolling. So, so he's a clear underdog against Michigan. He's favored in this game, but... I don't love James Franklin. It's not like I think he's like some historic coach, but he has built a really good team. And I'll give James this. James is an offensive guy, former wide receiver coach. Watch their defense. He really cares about that side of the ball. Like you watch Lincoln Riley, offensive guy, doesn't give a shit. I think Ryan Day is kind of obsessed with the quarterback and the wide receivers, which has served him well. But I think that pro, when I think Ohio State, and you've been watching this conference probably more closely than me over your life, feels like Ohio State in the peak of their powers was always dominant on defense, right? And, and now I watch them the last couple of years. Like, that was their downfall against Michigan. So, I, I'm going Penn State in this game. Yeah, I, I like Penn State as well. I will give credit. I'm not a Ryan Day guy either. Uh, James Franklin has taken money from me in the past with his antics at the end of games when he covers with fake kneel downs earlier this year uh, with the backup quarterback up like 30. But anyway... um I will give, I'll give credit to, and I agree with some of the things you said and that Harbaugh alluded to with Day and his play calling has been kind of questionable at times. I will give credit to both coaches in that they went out in recent seasons and hired two of the most respected defensive coordinators in the country, uh, Jim Knowles, who came from Oklahoma State, and Manny Diaz, who I think got a pretty bad rep for his head, but he just wasn't a great head coach. Uh, but always a great defensive coordinator. So these both these teams have really solid defensive coordinators. Ohio State's defense had fallen off a cliff a lot better this year. They might be down their their star corner, Denzel Burke, worth monitoring. Um, but their defense is a lot better this year. Penn State's defense is dominant. But the the I like Penn State to win this game. I think it's going to be close, low scoring. I like the under. I'm not a McCord guy. Aller's not throwing the ball down the field. Both teams have some offensive line issues. I think the defensive lines on each side are going to win uh, in the trenches. The biggest question for me and the biggest unknown is the Penn State offense. So, like, we don't know. We just don't know. They haven't thrown the ball downfield at all. Like, I'm talking nine times on the third the ball 20 yards downfield the entire season. Now, they haven't had to. Right? They're, they're def- they played nobody. I mean, they played Delaware, UMass. I mean, you, they, they played Northwestern. They played absolutely nobody. Illinois is the best team that they played. So they haven't had to do it. They've gotten short fields. They've turned teams over. Um, so the question is, the question the question coming in with this Penn State team, because they are in the discussion of, all right, who are the teams? Because this year it's seven to ten teams. Who are the teams that could win the national title? Penn State's in that discussion. But the question with them is they have the defense, and uh, they have the talent at quarterback. We haven't seen it yet. But the wide receiver room and the quarterback – you got to prove it. You got, you're you're going to have to score points. You're going to have on the to road. Throw. It's hard. Yeah. So this is what we'll fi- we'll find out about Penn State because there's just no there's no data point to know as of right now. And an argument is that Penn State just wasn't they didn't have to. So why show much? Right. 
the new quarterback, new receiving room. So, you know, there's that's the big question coming into here. Can Aller and this offense, they're going to have to hit some shots because you're not going to just completely shut down this Ohio State offense, although Notre Dame basically did for an entire game. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to probably have two touchdowns somehow. Um, so you're going to have to do something in the passing game, and that's what we'll learn about Penn State. But, yeah, I think Penn State finds a way to win this game, low scoring like the under. One thing that would be interesting if Penn State does pull off the upset is they do get Michigan at home. Yeah. And we know that that place, uh, it's already slated looking at the schedule for a, a morning kickoff, but who knows, maybe that's maybe they could change that. If they could pull that off at night, a whiteout, that place would be going bananas. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, it'd be like a it'd be like basically uh, Penn State beats Ohio State, probably Penn State minus one in that game pick. Um, because it's not like Michigan's all, playing anybody. Yeah, Mitch, we won't get anything more from Michigan. Michigan will just keep blowing out bad teams until that game. Okay, last week, and I, I've been doing this, try to pick a team in the NFL who I thought was just better than the other team, and it worked until I went with the Saints, who were recording this before Thursday night game. I, I would never bet on the Saints. Like, Derek Carr, get out. Like, that would give me a break. Last week was an embarrassment. But there was a game. I couldn't really find a game that I loved this week on the NFL slate to handle that. I was thinking maybe Seattle at home hosting Arizona. But Arizona's feisty. And so it's like I, I stayed away. One game I love. Now, that's a little different philosophy because both these two teams, in theory, are good. But Utah beat this team twice last year. And defensively, Utah is really good. USC's got a lot of issues. And Utah's offense, because they their starting quarterback and even their backup quarterback got hurt in a f- yeah, tackle scrimmage during August. So that their quarterback situation's been a little bit of a mess. But defensively, Kyle Whittingham is one of the best coaches in the country. And the moment Lincoln Riley signed for $120 million, he circled that game. Every time they play, it means a lot to him. Obviously, last year, the fuck Utah and Caleb's fingernails. I just think Utah is going to be able to physically play with them. Now, do I know if they win the game? I I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd take a money line. But getting seven points against a team that he's going to be very comfortable playing, he's always played USC well since he's been, you know, since they've gone into the Pac-12. They've upset him several times early on. Looking back, it probably wasn't even as crazy of an upset as we thought. But now that they're kind of viewed as equals, I, I just like Utah. I actually love Utah plus seven. Uh, I slightly disagree. I mean, I played USC early in the week. This line has gone up. Um, I, there's a, a couple things. I mean, Utah's offense is dreadful. I mean, it is bad. They have no quarterback without Cam Rising. Now they're down their top two tight ends. I mean, Kuthi hasn't played. I think he's going to redshirt along with Rising. They just lost Thomas Yasmin, their n- next starting tight end. They have no receivers. They can't throw the ball at all. Uh, they so, moved. They moved a defensive player last week to running back, yeah. but he did go for a buck forty, didn't he? Yeah, he played. He played well. This and he <laughs> play, was playing on both sides. Um, there, I just it's gonna it's hard for me to see them. And look, they haven't played. They played five power five teams, but they played like all freshman quarterbacks getting their first start, including last week. They played Graham Mertz in his first game. When they, even when they went down to Baylor, they played their backup quarterback in Baylor. It was bad this year, so they haven't really played an offense with a pulse yet. Their, their star safety and defensive leader, Cole Bishop, is out for a bullshit targeting call that he got in the fourth quarter last week. He's going to be out in the first half. That's big because if they get behind in this game, it, it's trouble because they're just not going to be able to keep up. And then the way that they can, look, they can, hey, we, we're going to be physical and we're going to, and they will out physical USC. But USC could just load the box here. They don't have to worry about a thing on the outside. And that's what USC did last week, and Notre Dame didn't really do anything on offense. USC and Caleb Williams just turned it over five times. 
Notre Dame only had 250 yards. They only averaged like four yards per carry. But um, I think USC comes out here with their hair on fire after last week, trying to avenge those two losses last year. I Look, I think Whittingham's a better coach. They have a better staff. They're more physical. But I just think with the quarterback situation, I, it's t- it's tough to see them keeping up. But I, I don't blame you for wanting to take the seven now that it's at a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, if it, let's just say USC gets to 28 points. You know, can can Utah get to that kind of three-touchdown mark? It, it could be difficult. But USC's defense is not good either. And to me, that O-line, Notre Dame shoved them around. Obviously, that's how Utah historically just wins, right? Their yeah. defensive front is just full of NFL guys. Uh, they'd have to ugly the game. I, I'm not expecting three turnovers from Caleb, but it, it just it gets ugly. Now, maybe there's... I think you're going to learn a lot about USC, right? Getting your ass kicked and then playing a team who just humbled you last year. So you, in theory, should get USC's best. And Lincoln Riley, you pay 120 million dollars for this. Like how you bounce yeah. back when when you lose. So it's it's a big game too for Caleb. Like there is, I promise you, there's growing Drake May buzz, especially yeah. now Tez Walker's back. <laughs> like it's not obviously he's the number one prospect, but this gap, it, it's not like Trevor Lawrence to Zach Wilson. It ain't Grand Canyon size, I promise you that, in uh, in executives. Okay, let's, let's dive into some of your picks. Pats, this Mac Jones thing is getting worse by the week. Buffalo's getting weird, though, obviously, last week. Are you chalking that up to just playing Brian Dayball Sunday night, getting a Giants kitchen sink game, or the injuries, just some weird stuff going on, divisional game? You know, this feels like if you just ask the casual fan, oh, Bills are going to kill them. But, you know, you never know at home. My question is this. When does the New England crowd start to be, like, kind of shitty? You know, they've been for 20-plus years rocking and rolling there. Are they going to get the same kind of buzz at kickoff that they're used to? I wonder if it kind of starts to to dwindle. I don't even blame it. If I was a season ticket holder, I'd be like, I'd be giving my tickets away right now. Yeah, this is probably the last game that you'll see a good crowd. I mean, even if they get the Saints, they have they have this crowd left before half. Uh, I was talking to a season ticket holder there. Uh, this is the last go? game because it's the Bills. Yeah, he went, but he left it. He left as well. It, it's the Bills. Um, people are still like just enthralled about what's going on. They want to come and boo still. Like it's, but eventually yeah. they're going to stop going the, the pats are a mess right now hopefully the offensive line gets a lot better i mean the, the offensive line they've been trotting out there if you look at like pass block grading some of the guys because of their injuries are like among the 10 worst three or four of their guys among the 10 worst of, out of 200 offensive linemen so hopefully you get like reef and strange back but the bills look, i mean look i just think this is it sucks but betting the pats they're awful and even on special teams like in every phase belichick's definitely has no speed on his fastball and no tom brady to save him uh, but this line is just too high in a divisional game. I mean, two a couple weeks ago, the you know the the Bills were eight and a half point favorites at home in a great spot after a loss against the Raiders, and now they're eight and a half points of eight, eight and a half point favorite on the road against the Patriots. And in that game against the Raiders, they were fully healthy. They've now basically lost three All Pro caliber, you know, three guys playing at an All Pro level in the defense. Matt Milano's lead of their defense. You're dro- you're falling off to a rookie. Daquan Jones cl- playing at an all-pro level defensive tackle. You're down to like Tim Settle. Then you're going from, you know, Trey White, your lockdown corner, to Kyrie Elam, who's been a bust in the NFL. Those are massive drop-offs. So they already had trouble stopping the run. Now they're going to have coverage issues. McDermott's going to have to figure that out. The offense also isn't in rhythm the past two weeks. 
Um, you know, you saw that against Jacksonville. You saw it last week against Giants. Two bad defenses. And uh, Josh Allen's dealing with a short, uh, sore shoulder, so I'm not sure if he's just off in that sense. So, you know, the Patriots' defense is still respectable, at least. This is a team that still at least has three one-possession losses. Two of them came at home to Philly and Miami, so they at least played those teams tough. I just think this line is now too high. Two weeks ago, the the Patriots were two point two and a half point favorites at home against the Saints. Now they're catching eight and a half. The Saints are are bad, but they're not ten points worse than the the Bills on a neutral field. So I think this is just a low point. You have to do this in the NFL. This is a low point. You did it last week. You did it last week. You did it yeah. last week. Uh, just you got to catch, try to catch the falling knife. So I'm, I'm buying low on the Pats. And, and this Bills team is not like they're playing well. And I don't think the market is fully adjusted to all the defensive injuries. It's not just the losing three. And they have other injuries. Like Russo is still hurt. Shaq Lawson is still dealing with an injury. Ed Oliver is dealing with an injury. They have a couple corners that are dinged up. So like they're kind of a mess right now. And their offense isn't in any type of rhythm. The only thing the Patriots is do, are doing really well this year, they're taking away number one receivers. And that's always been a Belichick staple, take away your best weapon. They rank number one in the NFL against opposing number one receivers. You know, even after they lost Christian Gonzalez, they they, they took away Devontae Adams, um, Chris Olave. So they could take away here Diggs, focus on him. And then the rest of the Bills offense, it's it's mad right now. Um, and, and the Pats, for how bad they've been, they've been extremely unlucky with fumbles, fourth downs, uh, field goals, so like all these little things pick that are making pick sixes, it, pick sixes that they're making it look wor- way worse than it actually it is bad. But so they they're due for a couple bounces here, there divisional game, probably their last hurrah before this gets really ugly. So I think it's too many points. I'm I'm holding my nose here. It's it's awful. I know. I feel like Bill would have a big market uh, if he you know he's over kind of being the head honcho, gets fired just. I'm just going to be a defensive coordinator. It feels like a lot of teams would uh, would line up for that and fire their defensive coordinator to hire old Belichick. Uh, okay, before we dive into your team, this is a pretty interesting game. Obviously, Sean McVay, his wife could have a baby any day, and that's you know he would. I I don't think he's officially announced he would miss the game. I know he said yesterday, under no circumstance, my son knows better. He's not coming on Sunday. But that would be a little bit of a curveball, given that he's the play caller. If all of a sudden she went into labor Sunday morning or something, uh, so you got to keep an eye on that. The Steelers. Every time I look on social media, whether it's a Penguins game, it's somewhere their fans are chanting "Fire Matt Canada." <laughs> uh, it's not like they improved over their bye week. So you know, the Rams last week was actually pretty impressive. I I, I watched a decent amount of that game. They beat the shit out of Arizona. Uh, probably Arizona's worst effort of the year so far in LA. A lot of pit that there will be a lot of Steeler fans there. That's for damn sure. This team travels well. I've been to in the, I've been seeing them play the Niners and the Raiders in the Bay Area, and they always filled that stadium. But are the Steelers like if you don't get a TJ Watt sack fumble or a pick six, how, how do they score? Yeah, uh, I like the Rams here minus three. This is also like it's not a classic Tomlin spot. I know he's a dog, but I consider dog spots over a field goal. They're playing a team that's 500. Um, and for what it's worth, just t- Tomlin's 34 41 and one against the spread on the road against teams with a non winning record. Fifth least profitable coach of all time in that spot. One in five after a bye week playing a on the road against a team with a non winning record. And like this is, they, they're coming off of a big win. This isn't like your hype Tomlin gets you up spot at home. If they, you know, once they lose this game at home against the Jags next week, that's when he gets them up and then Watt and, 
they inject Watt and Highsmith with something and then they score two touchdowns. Because honestly, without the Ravens dropping a bunch of passes and then Watt and Highsmith going bananas against Cleveland and Baltimore, this team is one win over the Ravens, over the Raiders. That's it. Like this is a one win team. The offense is horrendous. They're dead last in success rate in the NFL, like worse than Zach Wilson and the Jets. Like it, it's bad. Uh, they have one play. They just throw it to George Pickens down the sidelines. That's their entire offense. Um, so both defenses, like the defense, each defense, you would think like the Steelers, like, yeah, they have great edge rushers. The Rams have Aaron Donald. Both stack, both secondaries are very questionable. Outside of Minka Fitzpatrick for the Steelers, very questionable on the outside at corner. Rams could take advantage of that. And I think that's the difference in this game. I think it's 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 that simple, is that I don't trust the Steelers' offense to score. And both defenses are great now to round league average. Reem Morris done a great job at this Rams deep with the lack of talent that he has. Um, and they've played one of the toughest schedules of opposing offenses. But the, you know, I just trust Stafford and then with, you know, cutback, Nakua, Atwell to make more plays in the passing game against the Steelers defense that's been bad against the pass. They also, you can also run on them a bit with Cam Hayward out in the middle. Their run defense falls off a cliff without him. And I just don't trust that Steelers offense to do enough. And this isn't your classic Tomlin spot where you just throw out the stats and be like, he's going to fire them up, find a way. You know, they're sitting three and two in first place, coming off of a win. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's off a bye. They're playing a non-conference opponent. Um, so, yeah, I, I just trust the Rams offense much more here than the Steelers. I think the Rams win this game. I mean, they are, we're already talking about them like that, but I mean, they, they feel like they're on a fast track to be that nine and eight kind of wild card team, which would be a very, very impressive year for McVeigh. Because guys like me, and I think I don't think I was alone, thought they were really going to suck, and they haven't not only not sucked, they they've been really explosive offensively, like you said. I mean, they're passing game now that Cooper Cup's back. Nakua's good. I saw they got a bunch of running back injuries, but unlike his you know, mentor Shanahan, McVay is like, he'll dump the run game at a moment's notice. He could throw it. He's like, he's got a little Andy Reid in him. He'd throw it 50 times a game. Uh, yeah, they they, game, they're, they, 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 they sacrificed their future for the Super Bowl, which fans would be happy with, even though, you know, they, it was a drop. And it, wor- it worked. It worked. It worked. Uh, even, you know, if Tart catches a pick, it doesn't. But they have to, look, Stafford's now healthy, and they have such little draft capital moving forward. In order for them not to fall off a cliff, like Aaron Donald's not going to be around forever, Stafford's not going to be around forever, they have to hit on like every draft pick. And like hitting on guys like, you know, Nakua, Steve Avila looks like he's going to be a pretty good guard. I think that was their first pick in like the third round this year. So they got to hit on their draft picks because they don't have many going forward. And you're going to lose Stafford and you're going to lose Donald eventually. So that's something to watch too. Well, in a weird way, because the bidding for McCaffrey last year was the Rams and the Niners. And the Niners just trumped them because it was like a second, a third. The Niners had a fourth. They didn't. I think the Rams got lucky that they didn't get that guy because he's more suited for Kyle, one. And two, the the Rams, to be this competitive, kind of needed some of those picks to to insert some of the players. So I, it definitely, in a, you know, for missing out on McCaffrey, it still worked out for the Rams. I agree. Helped them compete this year and then next year, add some more pieces. Hell, they could be even better. It feels like, and listen, you probably have the stats off your head. I feel like the Chargers play the Chiefs really, really well. And the Chargers, going back to Phillip Rivers, uh, obviously with Justin Herbert, they remember the game that was his first start against the Chiefs when Tyrod Taylor got poked with the needle. Uh, when he had to start, you know, they told him 10 minutes before the game or whatever, to last year on Thursday Night Football, the opening Amazon game. 
they, they just play well. And I, Brandon Staley is holding on for dear life here, but when he plays the Chiefs, so getting five and a half, obviously the Chiefs' offense is not what it has been a lot of times when they've played them well. The defense is a lot better. But I don't see how you don't take from just an objective, take the Chargers here, getting you know well over a field goal. Yeah, I like the Chargers here. It's not a great spot on paper, like Chiefs extended rest, Chargers short week going on the road. But Andy Reid's only 10, you know, in spite of the narrative out there, he's only 10 and 13 against the spread with extended rest. And teams on a short week, for whatever reason, going up against teams with extended rest, 45 and 35 against the spread over the past 20 years, 56%. Maybe the market just over-adjust that narrative a bit. But, yeah, you mentioned how close these teams play. Six, they, there's six meetings between Herbert and Mahomes. Herbert is 5-1 and one against the spread. Should be 6-0. and oh. The only game he didn't cover is they were catching 3.5. They lost the coin toss, and the Chiefs scored a touchdown, one by 6 in overtime. Oh, yeah. Chargers won two times in Kansas City. There are other losses by 3-3-3 three, 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 and 6 in overtime. They haven't been trailing by more than three at the end of regulation in any of the six meetings against the Chiefs. And these are just like from the most basic handicap. The Chiefs fail to win by margin against they, they just struggle to do it as as favorites of over a field goal. And the Chargers always play close games. I mean, the Chargers, 20 of their past 25 games have been decided by one possession. Uh, it's just the Chargers going back to Rivers, even like you yeah. did. The Chargers had the ball down three with a minute 30 to go. That's just what the Chargers do. That's how it's always going to be. Rinse, wash, repeat. Uh, it's, and Rivers is, I just, he's panicking, trying to get everything. Like that, that's just how the Chargers are going to be in perpetuity. Um, Mahomes is a that fake. over that over that overtime game you mentioned, too. Remember, I think the Chargers were kicking their ass and Tyreek Hill made some incredible plays, right? The, the Chargers dropped about three picks in that game and then. Uh, and then uh, yeah, Hill made a crazy playoff of fumble that he scored on, and then Herbert threw a pick. Kelsey had the game winner, I think, in overtime. In overtime. Herbert threw a 99-yard pick six. Uh, Charter should have won that game, yeah. But, yeah, the, the Kansas City offense just isn't the same right now. There's offensive line issues, wide receiver room still trying to work itself out. I mean, Mahomes has nine turnover-worthy plays and nine big-time throws this year, one-to-one ratio last year. 38 big-time throws, 18 turnover-worthy plays. He was over 2-1 to one last year. He's at 1-1 to one this year. Gotten away with a couple balls that should have been picked. He's just he's trying to make some things happen because the wide receiver room and this offense just isn't clicking. Um, so, yeah, and I always think that the Chargers, I tend to think this, and the numbers back me up, is that the Chargers have value on the road because they have no home field advantage. So, like, they, at home, I never like them. Uh, you know, at home, it's usually a road game. And then they go out on the road and it's just like, who cares? They're used to road games. and But they're still getting priced as they're going on the road. For what it's worth, uh, Herbert is 10-4 and four against the spread as a road dog, including 7-1 and one when he's getting over a field goal. So, yeah, I think that this is a, a game that's going to come down to the wire. And also, if you're down like 10 late, Herbert will, you know, he's – can go down and get you a backdoor touchdown against the Chiefs. And then if the Chiefs are up, the reason the Chiefs have struggled, you know, Mahomes is only 18 and 27 as a, uh, against the spread as a favorite of over a field goal over the past three seasons. They know how to run out the clock at the end. So like if they're up three, um, you know, they can squeeze out the final six minutes uh, of the game without scoring, right? You'll see a lot of teams score. They'll say, no, I'm not even going to give you a chance to get the ball back. They'll hit the ground. Yeah, yeah they'll they... go to Kelsey on these little six-yard throws and they just move the sticks and 
and then just strangle the game away. And that's why another reason why they just don't end up covering sometimes is, you know, a favorite in this range. So, yeah, I think it's you got to go with the Chargers here. I like them. For a limited time, you can save 40% on NFL Plus premium annual subscription when you sign up through Plus Play from Verizon. Plus Play is a platform where you can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, NFL Network, and more. So you can watch multiple games all at once on any screen around you for updates. Never miss a touchdown. And for fantasy football players, NFL Plus Premium makes all the difference. Access to programming like Fantasy Live through NFL Network, Red Zone for tracking player performance on Sunday, access to live local primetime games, access to Fantasy Plus. Just go to verizon.com slash NFL to get NFL Plus Premium today. It's 40% off an annual subscription. That's just $59.99 for the full season. Get it before it's gone. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. 
It, it would have been, Ooh, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, let's go game of the week. I had a few Saturday night, kind of come to turn on TV. Tannehill's limping off the field. Malik Willis looked like me or you out there. You guys cruised to a victory. I saw Harbaugh. I didn't quite realize this, though it makes sense, because I saw Lamar talking how people were recognizing him over there in the middle of the week. They went really early across the pond, so they, they spent basically all week over there uh, get a nice win or 4-2, and two, playing the Lions, who are definitely not sneaking up on anybody. It's not like the Ravens are looking at this team like the normal Lions. I mean, they're, this is going to be... I mean, I, I think it's the best game on the slate. Uh, obviously, the Ravens at home. You know, I, I'm a big Lions backer. Uh, this would make me, this is the type of week that would make me a little nervous. And then the Ravens win this game. You get the Cardinals the following week. Then you get the Seahawks at home. All of a sudden, you'll look up, and the Ravens are going to be like 7-2. and two. So uh, this, is, this is a fantastic game. I, I think... I think I know where you're going to go. Uh, it's going to be hard to not take the Ravens in this spot, though I, I think the Lions have been pretty battle-tested. I'm not expecting them to you know, kind of roll over. Even if, I believe they're a good team, but I'd be a little stunned if they kind of got worked by double-digit points. I expect this to be a tight game. Yeah, I like the Ravens here. I'm a Ravens fan, but I will tell you on this show this year, I've faded the Ravens three times and have not this is the first time that I'm betting them. Uh so I'm far from a homer when it comes to betting. But this is this this is the the sell high spot on the Lions, right? The the team that everyone is now in love with. Even if you know nothing about betting, you could do okay in the NFL just by listening. And as soon as you hear all the hype that okay, like even us on the show, is are San Fran gonna go undefeated? What happens? They lose to PJ Walker. Uh three weeks ago the Dolphins win by fifty. 50 points in a game, score 70, they get crushed the next week. And by the way, the team that crushed them and put up 50 lost to the Jags the next week. Like this is, you're just never as good as you appear. And I think this is the, the peak of the market on the lines who have won four straight and have been impressive, but let's slow the brakes a little bit. They beat Bryce Young, Desmond Ritter, Jordan Love, and Baker Mayfield last year who vomited all over himself. If you watch that game, he missed three wide open touchdowns including a 90 yard touchdown to mike evans there was no one within 40 yards of him uh the lions and look the lions played they, when they played the panthers who were awful they were the panthers were without all all four starters in the secondary uh we know desmond ritter is terrible jordan love on the packers their half their offense was out too so like yes the lions are good they're a real sleeper in the nfc but let's throw the roll the last time they played an offense with a pulse was the Seahawks, who put up 40 in a win in Detroit. Now, there was a pick six there, but they moved the ball up and down the field the entire game. And the reason for this Detroit, uh, why I'm looking to sell Detroit now, is I like their offense, although Jared Goff outdoors, not great his whole career. Uh, his small hands, doesn't have the, the strongest arm. He struggled outdoors in his career. There's going to be windy conditions in Baltimore, which also is going to affect special teams. Talked about kickers already. Circled all back. Huge special teams advantage for Baltimore in this game. Huge kicking advantage. Uh, for Justin Tucker against Riley Patterson. But the, I'm looking to sell this Detroit defense. The the run defense is improved, and I believe in it. Ali McNeil's a great run stuffer. He's taken up blocks. they got a good rotation. Bugs and Jones in the middle there, too. You obviously have Hutchinson getting pressure off the edge. 
and and the linebackers even they moved Anzalone to Will. He's playing well against the run there. Jack Campbell, the rookie, he's playing well against the run, but they're both struggling in coverage, and their secondary is terrible. I mean, look, it's their safeties are terrible. Their outside corners are you know Jacobs and and Sutton. This is a, a bad secondary. Um, and they've had injuries. To be fair, we'll see if Branch comes back because Will Harris is one of the worst slots in the NFL. They need him to at least come back. But this secondary is bad. They've just played, you know, nobody over the past four weeks. And Baker Mayfield was missing. I mean, he said it after the game. He said, I suck. There were wide open guys all over the field. So there's two things that I think the Ravens will do here. I think, and they, their offense has been so close the past couple weeks. Now they're finally healthy. You know, two weeks ago was just all those drops against Pittsburgh, the, the Tomlin voodoo magic in the Tomlin spot. And then last week was just red zone futility. They were moving the ball up and down the field. I think there's going to be opportunities. And Lamar in the wind, he's much more adept at in these weather conditions of moving the ball. And then the Lions with their their linebackers are, are have been good against the run, filling gaps, but they're slower. They're going to have trouble keeping up with Lamar Jackson. They're going to have trouble defending Mark Andrews. And then the way that Detroit plays uh, defense, they don't blitz at all. They're one of the lowest blitz rate teams in the NFL. That's not great against Lamar. Lamar would not blitz this year top two or three quarterback. I think he's third in quarterback rating, second adjusted completion rate, you know, third in uh, yards per attempt. When he's blitzed, he's like 26, 28, 29. He has not figured out the blitz in this new scheme. The Lions aren't blitzing. Maybe they will here, but it's not what they've done all year. Some of the coverages they play on the back end are some of the coverages that Lamar thrives with. You know, Goff, who struggles with certain coverages, that's all the Ravens do. So it's a good matchup schematically. And coverage-wise, and I think that this Lions defense is just ripe for the picking. And then there's just all those, you know, the wind, the weather, the special teams. Um, and I think the Ravens offense kind of explodes here. They're they're kind of overdue. The Detroit defense is kind of overdue to get picked off here. Uh, and that secondary, I think, is going to be their downfall. I think the Ravens defense is also a little bit overrated. They played nothing but backup quarterbacks all year. But I still trust that unit overall. Uh, a, a bit more than is Detroit's. Marlon Hump is Marlon Humphrey any good? Yeah, uh, he's. I, I think he's now starting to finally get to fully healthy. But um, I think he's when when he's one hundred percent, he's one of the better corners in in the NFL. I mean, he also can play like they can put him in the slot. They can put yeah, him out, outside. He's very versatile. I mean, he can he, he can play in the run. He can guard different types of receivers. He's just got to be healthy. Now he's he's reached. He's got like a year or two left before you'll see him fall off a cliff as a lot of these corners do but um yeah this is a Ravens team that dealt with so many injuries early on in the season they're finally fully healthy I think they're going to exploit this Detroit secondary uh and I think this is a great spot to to back the Ravens uh and sell high on the lines we're good they're going to be a, a real contender but a, a lot of this I, I think this line should be over a field goal I mean they, over the last four weeks I explained to I who they played. It's been nobody. It's a bunch of clown car quarterbacks and Mayfield just missing wide receivers all over the field. So I think the Ravens get it done. Happy to lay a field goal here. One thing looking at their schedule is they've already played all three division teams on the road. So the three remaining divisional games are all at home and they get the NFC West. And to me, they're going to be favored in three of the four games. And the, you know, obviously got to, they got to go to San Francisco, but they get the Rams at home and they get Seattle at home. And also the other tough game on the schedule is the Dolphins and they get them at home as well. So it, in terms of home and away, it breaks really well for them down the stretch. 
you know, you win this game. Like I said, the next two games are at Arizona. That's a win. And then playing Seattle at home, they'll be favored in that. I mean, they have a very, very good chance to be 7-2 and two going into that tough little stretch of, you know, playing the Browns and the Bengals. But they've already beat the Browns. So, you, you know, that defense, Lamar is really the only guy. I mean, I, I saw some numbers of every quarterback they've played. They've punked them. Lamar in that first half just destroyed them. I mean, he he was that, – that was an MVP half. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, they put up 28 on a Browns team that, bas- that basically no one – can get a first down on. And, and what was it, 21-3 at half, and it was over. Yeah, they could have the put game. up more if they weren't playing, you know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, to, to put a bow on it, Lamar Jackson, kind of like Mahomes in a way, his against the spread splits. Like, the Ravens are smart at running the clock out. You don't really like to play them as a, in the favor role. Lamar's 18-4 and four against the spread as an underdog or favorite of three or less, covering by eight points per game. 12-1 and one against teams with a winning record. 10 and 0 when the spread is between a field goal and a field goal. And in comparison, he's just 18 and 27 as a favorite of more than a field goal. The same exact number as Mahomes over the past three years. And Mahomes, I think, is like 17 and 4 against the spread as an underdog or favorite of three or less. Like basically, when you just need him to win the game uh, or they're an underdog, they're almost an auto bet. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that this is a good, good buy spot on the Ravens. People forget about that Browns game, what they did that Browns D. And oh, I, I don't. Like, I watched it. Yeah, but I'm saying the past two weeks, like, and they all no, they, they should have put up. They should have put up 28 against Pittsburgh. They had like three drop touchdowns, and then last week they should have put up about 40 uh, against Tennessee. I mean, they kicked five red zone field goals. I think a lot of that they were just conservative. They were just running it in the red zone, knowing that, like, especially once Tannehill got hurt, we have this game in the bag. I think you'll see them be more aggressive here. Andrews and Lamar's legs are a matchup nightmare for this. Uh, Detroit defense. I think that's going to be the difference. And they're going to hit a couple deep shots that have been coming against this Detroit team that's been having a lot of busted coverages and getting away with it against bad quarterbacks. One big advantage the Chiefs have had the last couple of years in the AFC playoffs is they never have to go on the road. And they've played in some weird games, but having that game at home has been a huge advantage. If someone, and obviously the, the Ravens would be a team, can somehow have the home field advantage, that could be a huge swing. Because you think about some of the weird games Kansas City has played in. Uh, was it the Browns a couple years ago? Last year, the Jags game. Obviously, Mahomes has been injured. That uh, They lost to the Bengals, right? But that was – Mahomes might have had a concussion or whatever. But for the most part, just never having to leave has been an underrated advantage of the Chiefs' kind of little mini dynasty they've been on. And it'll be interesting if – Obviously, the Chiefs keep winning. It's going to be they, they're just going to have a fantastic record, and which they will. But like, can the Ravens or someone else go fourteen and three and push them for that number one seat? Uh, probably not. There's a couple rule, rules in the NFL. One of them we talked about: the Chargers have to be in a close game, down by three late. The other is the Ravens. Look, I've season tickets for thirteen years. The Ravens aren't allowed to have home playoff games. Uh, one of the benefits of season tickets is you get home playoff games. The Ravens never happened. They won two Super Bowls as wild card teams that went on the road the entire time. Uh, I mean, they went on the road and beat Manning, Brady, when they beat your uh, 49ers yeah. with Flacco going up. So they beat Luck, Brady, Manning on the road, and then beat, <laughs> and then beat the 49ers Super Bowl. 2001 historic team, the 2000 team with the historic defense, wild card team, uh, went on the road. They were in. They were playing Gannon. Who won? Who won that division? Tennessee. Yeah, that was the the division back then. They went on the road and beat Tennessee. That was an awesome game. Ray Lewis stripped uh, Eddie George and ran it back. So. The only time yeah. as season ticket order that they had a bye and a home game was the most depressing game I've ever been doing in my entire life. 2007, McNair was the quarterback. Yeah, McNair was the quarterback. They went 
fourteen and two, fifteen and one, somewhere around or thirteen and three. By home game, first time ever playing the Colts, who Indianapolis left Baltimore. So all the old heads never had a stadium be louder, more electric before a game. Had a Ravens had a bye, hosting Peyton Manning. I think Ed Reed had three, two or three picks of Peyton Manning. No touchdowns scored in the game. Lose fifteen to six, uh, and that was it. And that's like the only home game that the Ravens ever got that meaningful one. Uh, so no way. Vinatieri, the game. Colts kicker that year. Yeah, Vinatieri versus Stover. Uh, ended 15-6 on seven field goals in the game, no touchdowns, and that was it for the Ravens. So, yeah, the Ravens, if they win, whenever they win, they, they win a Super Bowl like every 10 to 12 years, and they got to go on the road as a wild card team. But hopefully. Was that the year Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl? Did they play the Patriots the next week and come back? Yep. Yep. What a year. I, I remember watching that game. 15, they kicked five field goals. Yeah, that was. game. Yeah, it was most was impre- most depressing. Um, I always get the years confused. If it was like no, that was two thousand. Yeah, that might have been that might have been the previous year. That, I yeah, think that they was the previous year. That was twenty six the- season, two thousand six season, going into two thousand. Like so, the game was in two thousand seven. Um, yeah, but it was the 06 season. Yeah, and then the next year, the Patriots get Randy Moss and everything. The 07 team. Correct. Yeah, so I think the Col- the Colts won it their 06 season yes. and in like February of 07. Yep, they beat the the Ravens 15-6 and went on to win the Super Bowl. So yeah, it's not it wasn't wasn't a good run for my season tickets having home playoff games. But what are you going to do? Well, hell, you might get a Super Bowl this year. The Ravens keep playing like they're playing. Stucky, have a good weekend and uh, let's roll, baby. Absolutely. Good luck. Cheers. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.